The Cyclone Fanatic Podcast is fueled by Cody Rhodes and recorded in the Wild Rose Casino and Hotel Studio. Yo, welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's uh, part two of our two-part series, ranking the Big 12 men's basketball and football coaches. We got the football coaches coming up today. If you missed our rankings of basketball coaches, you can go back to last week, find uh, last week's episode of Mostly On Track. What's up, Jeff Woody? Not much, man. Again, you're a liar. You're a liar. Said it's not Tuesday. Why do you have to reveal it? Like, why can't you just let it be part of the ruse? See, really, I'm just, I'm, I'm covering our own asses. Because if we didn't, and uh, someone like, let's say Brent Venables got a DUI in the time between we recorded Jeez. this and the time we're actually doing it. No offense, no offense to Brent Venables. I don't, he might be a nice man. Yeah. But we don't know. So we don't want to sound like idiots. Well, in case that any of the Big 12 football coaches have been fired in the last two weeks, we did record this on uh, June 22nd. So everybody out there knows exactly what we were doing. Well, it we, is 9.51 a.m. on June 22nd, 2023. Thank you for your accuracy, Jared. Thank you for your accuracy. At least the public needs to know. The All content's right. still good. The content's still good. Well, we hope so. We haven't recorded it yet. So before we jump into the content, do you want to tell us about Goldfinch Speed? Yeah, so Goldfinch Speed, This uh, we talked about this last week where it is a... It, the thing we want to talk about in the last episode was the fact that you don't have, we don't have to be present to do it. So no matter where you are, no matter what, uh, what access to facilities you have as far as a school, there is a capacity to get Goldfinch Speed in there because you as the coach who has the relationship, you're the one that's doing it. We just build the technique and the logistics and all the infrastructure to be able to do that. Uh, the other thing is if you're an individual, this is another thing. If you are an individual that lives in a rural area or even an area that's densely populated that you don't have access to get in, uh, the individual programs that we have are $19 a month for a speed program and $26 a month for a speed and a strength program. So really, no matter where you are, no matter what access to stuff you have, we've, we've got a service that can hopefully make you a little bit faster to get you, whether it's that starting spot or whether that's all conference or whether that's whatever. It's getting you towards the goals that you want to get to no matter where you are. All right, ready to hop into the rankings? These rankings are going to be much different as far as uh, last week or last episode. We, we agreed a lot. We agreed a lot, especially in the middle part. Yeah. Uh, this one we are not going to agree upon near as much. I bet we'll agree more than you think. Okay. All right, number 14, Neil Brown at West Virginia. Country roads take me home. West Virginia. The bottom of both lists for different reasons. Yeah. Uh, last, the basketball list, they're at the bottom of their list because they currently don't have a coach. So hard to rank anybody that are hard to rank, uh, coach WVU. Mm -hmm. It's not there. Uh, this one is because Neil Brown has probably the hottest seat in America. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be, so, if let's say West Virginia starts, uh, don't forget Jimbo Fisher. Remember we uh, did, Jimbo the, Fisher. did the episode a couple weeks <laughs> ago, true. but Jimbo Fisher, you got to pay him $76 million to get out of that job. Oh, that's all. I mean, even for A&M, that's a lot of money. Yeah. You're going to pay him. Three quarters of a million, or three quarters of a hundred million dollars, like that. that and, Ra and Ryan Day, he was on the list too. Yeah, Ryan Day was somehow on the hot seat list. Get out of here, get out of here with that. If I mean Ohio State, if you fire Ryan Day, you guys are bigger idiots than I thought you were. Anyway, um, but yeah, Neil Brown is on the hot seat because it feels like he, they've just consistently underperformed. And again, we talked about it with the basketball. Is they are a they can and should be better than they are because they are the show in that area. So them not being good is a surprise. And Neil Brown has been an average to below average. They've never been terrible, but they've been average to below average every single year. 
All right, I've got Scott Satterfield at Cincinnati at 13. You're an unprofessional fan. You got Dana? Dana. It's Dana Holgerson. I wrote Dana Holgerson WVU on my list on accident. <laughs> I have him at 12. And Dana Holgerson at West Virginia is really good. I don't think, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. That's, yeah. Was, was he there? Was was Steve Slayton there with Holgerson or Rich Rod? He was there with Rich, Rich Rod. Rod. Yeah. It was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. Because I didn't think it, like, the, uh, that was um, Gino was there when yeah. Holgerson was at West Virginia. Uh, no, I have Holgerson because, again, in a similar light, you're, they're playing in the American Conference. Yeah. And you're Houston. You talk about uh, you have you are way high on the resource list. You are in Houston, where what ten NFL players per year get drafted from the city of Houston at least. Yeah, and you're in that area. You have the capacity to do that, and you still underperformed. And even when there has been talent, there's still been underperforming. And like the organization, uh, when you think of Houston, you think of Houston football. You don't think of a well-run program. You think of a program that's just kind of there because. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they'll bench a quarterback for no good reason. Sometimes they'll uh, red. They redshirted. Uh, was it King? I think is the name of the quarterback. But Derek King. Derek, they redshirted him for no real good reason. And then I think they pulled his redshirt like halfway through the year. And I mean, it, it's just been. It feels like it has been mismanaged substantially. And that's Dana. And Dana is a terrific play caller. He's a really good offensive play caller. And this year will be the first year that he's actually being the OC and the head coach, which might make a difference because his strength is as a play caller. But uh, to this point, Holgerson has not done near as much with Houston as they should have because Herman left. And when Herman was there, Houston was a power. And then he they leaves. Did, they did go 12-2 and two one year. With Herman's roster, right? No, it was, his, it was his third year. Okay, so congratulations, Dana. You had one good year. I yeah. thought it was with Herman's roster. but And then they went 8-5 and five last year. So just uh, it doesn't feel like there has been they have achieved to the level they they've achieved to and it feels poorly run. Are you sure that your opinion has not been skewed by his first year when they went four and eight and his second year when they went three and five, which was the COVID year? No, I think those that that feels like it is, is included. Also, I realize we didn't contextualize this. Big twelve coaching rankings. The way that I put my list together was if you are dropping this person, uh, it's like you know when you do like Google Street View and you have like you like grab the little orange guy and like move him around. He's kind of like dangling. And you were to plunk them in in the exact same geographical spot with the exact same resources and the exact same players. Right now, five years from now, who's in the best position? That's the that's the okay. the, the the mechanism by which that I measured everything. And so that's I mean Holgo uh, might be a might be a fun guy to hang around with. I doubt it, but <laughs> he could be. Could be. He I could theoretically be a fun guy. But I have him at thirteen. Uh, where do you, have, do you have Scott Satterfield at number 12? Then? Yes. Okay. Scott Satterfield, number 12. Cause he, uh, so he's at Cincinnati because Luke fickle was at Cincinnati is now yeah. at Wisconsin. And so the carousel turns and well, Satterfield, uh, I think he got fired or is a mutual leaving from Louisville because they are bringing in that uh, Louisville is bringing in Jeff Brom Brom from Purdue yeah, back because he's an alumnus of Louisville. Went, so, he went 25 and 24 and 15 and 18 at Louisville. Yeah. And so Lu- Louisville, Louisville, uh, just a VL at the end. Yeah. There's no vowel after Louisville. the V. Louisville. Uh, so he was okay at Louisville and okay. I mean, an average. And now you're going to Cincinnati, which doesn't feel all that different from Louisville as far as resources and access to players and stuff like that. So I don't know why there would necessarily be a step up because you're also go- playing in a conference that is, if not, uh, 
because Louisville in football is an ACC, right? Mm-hmm. So the ACC has been top heavier because Clemson has been in there for a while. Uh, but the Big 12 has been substantially deeper. There are there are less bad teams in the Big 12. There isn't a Clemson or there hasn't been a Clemson in the conference. Uh, but if you have been average in the ACC, you come over to the Big 12 and now you're on the lower end of the totem pole and the resources pole, it doesn't seem like there's going to be much of a difference. So I got Satterfield, yeah. Satterfield 12, Holgerson 13, Neil Brown 14. And he had all of his success at uh, Appalachian State, which I feel like everybody's won in Appalachian State, even though they had to make the jump from FCS to FBS. I feel like that's a program where generally they win. Isn't, I think Appalachian State's in Western South Carolina. I thought it was in Boone, North Carolina. Okay, sorry, yeah, Western North Carolina. Like inland North Carolina. Yeah, I think it's in I think it's in Boone, North Carolina. I remember that. Speaking of App State, I remember watching that App State and, Michigan yeah. live, and being like, "What in the world is happening?" And then since then, it kind of happens a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say that at that time, that was like the most incredible thing of all time that that had happened. And now it happens a lot. Yeah, now it happens quite often. Uh, all right, at number 11, I have Kalani Sataki at BYU. You have a much less star-studded list than I do, I think, because 11, I have Steve Sarkeesian. I have Sarke- I have Sarkeesian at 9. Okay. So, like, that's not, so, you know. So I got Sark, and um, I got Sataki at 8. So okay. with... Who do you have 11? Uh, 11 is Sark. Oh, okay, okay, so, yeah, yeah, my bad. Um, Sark, we've talked about it before. What has Texas done... To or not what and Texas. So what has Texas and Sarkeesian done to merit the recognition that they are getting? Mm-hmm. Not what they have been on paper. What have they done? Physically accomplished. When you wiped, if you could have put a little piece of black tape over the name, what have they done to merit the amount of credit that they ever that they are getting? Nothing. The best record that they've had has been what ten and two, nine and three, maybe in the last like fifteen years. Mm-hmm. So the most wins that Sark has ever had as a head coach has been nine. So what has they? What have they done to merit the credit that they're getting? And so you think about that as Sark has consistently underperformed Texas. Even though we're not talking about Texas, we're talking about the Google Street View guy. You drop him in. Texas is underperformed. So now Sark, similar to Dana Holgerson, is a really good offensive play caller. That is where his strength is organizationally it's not been strong and so i don't know when you do, when if you were to put him as the head coach of uh kansas how many wins does sark get as the head coach of kansas probably not very many not very many if i mean if any because yeah. motivating and organizing that's where the the head coach has to live so i i don't know sark is i think he is a a person who can generally handle boosters and donors which is why He's at these big jobs so much because he's able to be in a conversation with a multi-billionaire talking about their football program. But as far as organization, I don't, I don't think he's, he's cut out necessarily for the job. And, and again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this year they go undefeated and they win the national championship. I doubt it. But I've, there's been nothing in his career that has said that they merit the hype that they're getting. I have Brent Venables at number 10. I got Venables higher than that. So let's let's go with uh, you talked to Sataki. Yeah. So let's bring up let's talk about him first, because then we're he's he's closer on the list to me. So go for it. I mean, I just think it, at the end of the day, like we kind of talked about with BYU basketball before, 
you know, on last week's episode, like they've got all the resources in the world to be really competitive on a year by year basis. And they've been pretty competitive at times, but I feel like they've also underperformed at times. And maybe that's because of being an independent and it just feels like they're kind of out of the conversation, but I don't know. I, I just don't see them hitting the ground running in the big 12, the way that, that you would think that it's like, if you've got a guy that's your top half coach, well, you know? so what, with, uh, what are his statistics as far as record is concerned? I don't know if you have necessarily handy because I can pull it up. With him, I think he is at at the. I I like he's fifty six and thirty four at BYU. Yeah, so that's that's a solid record. And the granted, the schedule isn't always awesome. But if BYU is eight and four, or nine and three, here I'll read you his records. They they, they kind of okay. So yeah, let's go read the records. Twenty sixteen is first year nine and four. Twenty seventeen four and nine. Twenty eighteen seven and six. Twenty nineteen seven and six. Twenty twenty eleven and one. Twenty twenty one ten and three. Twenty twenty two eight and five. Okay, so, I mean, still eight and five. Uh, that that's it's less. It's un, it's more underwhelming. But you have those ten and two seasons. Or that what ten and one season. You have those twelve and ten and two seasons or whatever it is. You have those, and they don't make any noise because you're an independent. So you don't have a natural conference champion or championship to guarantee you in these high position bowl games. Where when Iowa State went to the Fiesta Bowl, it's because they were in a conference to be able to go to the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to the Fiesta Bowl. You have to rely on you know, reputation voting and being able to pull from it. So it feels like they're at the disadvantage of that. So now that they're in, they're actually in a conference, you can actually play and stack yourself up against other, like other teams in a conference, you know, just like piecemealing from one or the other. Uh, now we actually get to see what they're going to be, not, not to say what you're made of, but now you get to see what you're made of, of actually being in a conference. And so for me, he's the one that has him and, uh, Venables actually are the ones that could go the highest or the lowest on this list because of what happens once they actually have a little bit of time as the dust settles. All right. I have Joey McGuire at number eight from Texas tech. I got McGuire at 10. Okay. Uh, so with McGuire, the reason is, it's just, uh, I haven't seen it yet. Like there, there's been nothing to prove success or failure. Like they were average last year, which for Texas tech coming from where they were coming from uh, in the, the the Wells era, that's not that bad. No, it's pretty good. I mean, it's good, but... They've recruited well. So, but, I mean, I got to see it. Yeah. You know, like, in theory, this is the cool. Texas is supposed to be good, too. They right. were supposed to win last year, but they didn't. Right. Oklahoma was supposed to be good, and they were supposed to win, and they didn't. So, Texas Tech, if they're supposed to be good, we'll see if they are. So, this is... Which is why I put Venables where I did, because it just... I mean, he was still so highly touted coming in and was supposed to be. I mean, remember what the people were like when they when he came? <laughs> they they literally in. had a parade for him, like yeah. coming into town, flying into into Norman, and then he went three and seven or three and six in the Big Twelve. You know, yeah, and I and I went and was sub five hundred, six and seven overall. The only thing with the only thing with there again, like I said, Venables has the highest or lowest on this list because what comes to mind with Venables, so he's in my seven, so I have McGuire at ten. Stocky is at eight and Venables at seven. We'll get to my nine in a second. But the reason why I have Venables a little bit higher, but it's just because of, I, I think that he was on the back foot last year because of quarterback depth is when their quarterback got hurt, they had nothing. Now, granted, is that partly the coach's fault? Yes. But it's also that he got kind of got hired late in the cycle to actually be able to get that roster solidified. If you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a, a team, right. especially in the conference. So, um, but what this kind of reminds me of a little bit is Gene Chizik, 
where now granted he's not coming back to like his alma mater or whatever, but really highly touted defensive coordinator gets a head coaching job. What is that head coaching job at Iowa state trash at Auburn? Granny of Cam Newton national champion. Okay. Well, that's a little bit different. And so which version of that highly touted defensive coordinator are you going to get? I don't know. Well, TBD. And so there, it could be Auburn Gene Chizik or it could be Iowa state Gene Chizik. Who knows? No one knows until you actually get out there and do it. Okay, so for, you have number nine that we haven't talked about? Gundy. It's Mike Gundy. I've got Gundy at three, but I can understand. I think he's got a wide range here too. So I got Gundy at nine, not on a Lifetime Achievement Award. Because if you do like a Lifetime Achievement Award, Gundy is, if not one, pretty damn close because of how consistently they've overperformed. But if you're talking right now, when you look at Oklahoma State over the last two or three years, they've been a mess. And they've succeeded a little bit like when they won, when they went to the, ch- the the championship two years ago, when they had uh, Jim Knowles as their defensive coordinator, and they had all the senior laden roster. They had Malcolm Rodriguez. They got uh, I think Brock Martin as a, a defensive lineman. They had they have that stud defensive roster, and they go to the Big Twelve championship. They are what one play away mm-hmm. from winning, and they even had their best running back hurt at that time. So like that is an incredible achievement. Coming off of that, since then, it has been an absolute just spinning wheel of everything. And I don't necessarily mean like rosters wise, but they've had quarterback turnover. They've had transfers out. They've had guys graduate. They've had a bunch of offensive linemen get hurt or transfer or leave. So they've just not had any solidity. Like they've not been solid in the roster. So maybe these last 18 months have been a blip on the radar and I'm super undervaluing Gundy, but I also, it just feels from the outside in like he's sort of getting to the point where he's at a contentious relationship with the university as opposed to a symbiotic relationship with the university, you know? Mm -hmm. It feels like they're one bad year away from him just leaving. Yeah. And going somewhere else. Yeah, because it feels like they're, you know, he's he's in a situation where he's getting pressure that you have to do this. He doesn't want to do that. You, He's getting told what to do. He's trotted out to defend bad decisions uh, or... Def- defend decisions he was he didn't even make that may be a bad decision so it feels like there's just a contentious relationship right now and so again good little google drop guy would you want that situation and or that coach in there maybe maybe not i just again lifetime achievement award way higher currently lower i've got matt campbell at number seven i got campbell higher than that yeah yeah i got campbell decent decent bit higher than that seven i have venables we already talked about venables I think that this middle, this middle portion is a lot of, there's a lot of, you can mix and match here. Honestly, all the way to the top, you can yeah. mix and match a lot yeah. of it. There isn't this, the big 12 football conference. There isn't that coach that stands above. Like, there's obviously no there's no bill self. There's not even a Scott drew or a Kelvin Sampson. That's right. like, these guys are clearly in the top group. You right. know, like, I feel like you can make a case for so many of these guys to be in the top three. Yeah. You know? From, from basically from my six to one is more or less, I don't want to say interchangeable, because I wouldn't necessarily put I would Matt feel, Campbell number one. I would like, feel fine putting Matt Campbell at six on my list and putting Gus Mills on at number seven. Yeah. That'd be, uh, that'd be, I would be okay with that. But So I have Sunday Dykes at number six. Okay. Um, because in a, similar, in a similar sense to um, Jerome Tang, you did it once, but you also had one of the, you you tried to not get your quarterback to be as successful, and they just happened to be successful because mm-hmm. you didn't start 
Max Duggan. Yeah. He was on the bench. Then he came in and absolutely ran roughshod. It was arguably the best college player in the country. Uh, not necessarily the Heisman Trophy, you know, like whatever, but arguably the best and most competitive player in the country. And you had him at quarterback. Are you that successful when you don't have that level of quarterback play or that level of competitiveness or that level of leadership? Because this, <clears throat> I don't want to say it's necessarily like a Belichick Brady thing, but how many Super Bowls has Bill Belichick won without Tom Brady? Right. So it might be that they just mesh together really well. It might be that they, uh, they got lucky, but it feels like Sonny Dykes has to prove that you can do it at that level if you're going to be you know, way higher on this list. You have to do it at that level with, <clears throat> without Quentin Johnston, without Max Duggan, and without Kendra Miller. Can you, do that? Can you do the same thing without that group? I want to redo my whole list now. Why? Because I feel like I undervalued guys. I think I undervalued Matt Campbell. I think I probably undervalued Lance Leipold. I've got him at five. And I think I undervalued Dave Aranda. I've got him at four. I think, yeah. I, could, I think I very easily could have made that my top three. I think my list is pretty solid. I think my list is better than your list. Well, all right. Well, we'll get to the rest of your list after, uh, after I tell you guys about our friends at Hinterland Music Festival coming up August 4th through the 6th, just south of Des Moines in St. Charles, Iowa. You can get music and camping passes right now on sale at hinterlandiowa.com. What, what kind of professional operation is this that you're on your cell phone when you're on camera? You're doing an ad read. What do I need to do? I, I also understand that, I, you know, re, legitimately one of the reasons why this, because every time we do the Hinterland ad read, I feel bad that I can't go to the Hinterland, the, the Hinterland Music Festival. That's the reason why I'm on my phone, because it makes me feel less bad, Jared. Uh, Bonnie Vare, Zach Bryan, Maggie Rogers headlining, headlining this year's festival. Uh, coming up August 4th through the 6th, like I said, St. Charles, Iowa. Jeff Woody is going to be is mad that he can't be there. Yeah. Everybody else should go so that then they can tweet at Jeff and say, hey, I'm having a great time at the Hinterland Music Festival. Wish you were here. Look how much fun I'm having. Ha ha. Click. Yeah. Sure. Do that. Fine. Do that. See if I care. See at, if I even care. At Jay Woody 32 on Twitter. Do that when you go to the uh, if I even care. You go to Hinterland Music Festival. Uh, and then I do need still confirmation from someone. Is Cuckoo the kangaroo the one from Big Daddy? <laughs> someone is, I want to see. Can someone find that like Cuckoo kangaroo on actual Twitter? No, I want not you. Not you. I want someone to find it on Twitter. And then I want Jared to start a dialogue with Cuckoo kangaroo. When I Googled Cuckoo kangaroo, uh, or when I Googled Cuckoo, the first thing that came up was Cuckoo kangaroo what else would it be they don't have a wikipedia oh yeah they do cuckoo kangaroo is an american comedy disco duo from minneapolis minnesota consisting of vocalist brian atchison and neil olstad billed as an interactive dance party duo described as proceed described as the beastie boys meet sesame street wow Cuckoo Kangaroo showcase a live colorful show that relies heavily on audience participation featuring overtly silly sing-along songs that are typically accompanied by their own individual dance move. That actually sounds, if you have, like, I've got uh, toddler nieces, they would have such a blast. That sounds like an absolute blast. For me, without a kid, a little weird. Uh, I just For kids, absolute blast. I just love the characterization of the Beastie Boys meet Sesame Street. Can you imagine... Uh, like Gonzo in the Sabotage music video. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hinterland Music or hinterlandiowa.com. Get your music and camping passes coming up August 4th through the 6th. We spent more time talking about Cuckoo Kangaroo than we have any of the other acts that are coming. And there's like massive <laughs> acts. Massive acts that are there. Oh, man. Sorry, Maggie Rogers. Uh, need to tell you, too, about our friends at Gravitate Coworking. Uh, they've got four locations, downtown Des Moines, East Village, Midtown, uh, Windsor Heights, and then out in Jefferson. Maybe you've been at home with your kids for too long. They have been watching way too much Cuckoo Kangaroo on the, on YouTube, and it's just driving you insane. You've heard way too many times Sesame Street and the Beastie Boys come together. You need to get out of your house. You need to go to Gravitate Coworking. You can find out more about them at gravitatecoworking.com. And you can go and you got, can go into an environment where I guarantee you, well, I guess I can't guarantee this. Jeff Wood, I hope that you can guarantee for me that there will be no cuckoo kangaroo played at Gravitate Coworking. What if it's absolute bangers? What if they're Well, I kind of want to hear it, but we don't have headphones. So not, I, not like Aiden can't play us any, but we'll, we'll hear some at some point. We'll hear some at some point. Yeah, we'll hear some at some point. Uh, all right, back to the list. Uh, <laughs> what, what a hard jolt of a transition after an award-winning ad read right there. <laughs> that was probably one of the best ad reads I've ever done. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I feel good about that, that I, uh, like, I had to get some information more on Cuckoo Kangaroo. Okay? Oh, man. I feel like I'm bringing the information to the people. I think this, if, if anyone fast forwarded through the ad read, now they're curious as to what actually happened during the ad read. Yeah, go rewind it. It's, it's worth it. Please do. It was worth it. It was worth it. I'm telling you right now. Uh, all right. Where are we at on the list? Uh, five. Five. Uh, I have Lance Leipold at number five on my list. Oh, God. Um, so this is, <laughs> I'm trying to re, I'm trying to reel from the fact that, uh, that you just hard pivot from, from that performance down to a, I'm a okay, professional so, well this is that we're clearly showing the difference between the professional here and the amateur yeah i i am an amateur um, this guy can't keep up aiden i got gus malzahn at number five okay i had him at six like i said before so my, i feel like malzahn is in kind of the mixed bag of results because there was good auburn malzahn and there was bad auburn malzahn and then there's yeah. been good ucf malzahn and yeah. i mean he is a guy that we talk about offensive play calling because is he the oc as well at ucf because he was when he was at Auburn, he was the play caller and the head coach. I would imagine that's the case, but I don't know for sure that's the case. Uh, Darren Hinshaw is the mm, okay. by name offensive coordinator. Okay. I wonder if it's like an Eric Bieniemy situation where more or less Gus is putting the game plan together and he's just the one that's actually doing it, but uh, would be overarching. So I don't know. Uh, if you were to put Malzahn in any situation, he's probably going to be successful with it because it seems he seems like a guy who players would actually like. I don't know any stories firsthand, so I could be wrong, but it seems like a guy who is um, is going to be respected and actually kind of liked by the players. So that's uh, Malzahn is definitely a top half guy. Where he falls in that top half, we got to see because you know you're you're now back into a big boy conference like they've been before, but or like he has been before, but now it's with a a, a group that is on the underdog side with UCF we should have done this like in tears because I feel bad that I put Matt Campbell at seven now like I I think I should have put him higher yeah you should have yeah you should have I'm not even gonna I'm not gonna defend it you like I recognize have. my mistake okay I recognize it well, I understand people party already tweeted at you from the first part and now they have you just you're making a contrite apology well I'm sorry that you here <laughs> Hold up here. Okay. Let's tell, let's tell everybody the full story of everything that happened here. I made my list at seven o'clock this morning. I woke up and I said, Hey, I know Jeff is going to be prepared. I need to be prepared. 
I can't, when I sat down, I started to put together my list. I was like, oh yeah, that looks pretty solid. I was like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm on a pretty good train of thought here. I get here. I'm all ready to go. I'm all set up. I got all my stuff set up. I'm waiting for Jeff. And I'm like, Hey, you know, where's Jeff? It's eight o'clock in the morning. We were supposed to record. It's eight 40. Where's Jeff? Don't know where Jeff's at. And then Jeff walks in, no list, no preparation. He's like, okay, this is the criteria now. This is the criteria for the list. Not the criteria that I worked under at seven o'clock in the morning. The criteria you worked under at nine o'clock in the morning when you showed up late. Hey, you know what? Whose responsibility is that to, if you already had the criteria done, to communicate said criteria? If you allowed the rules I just made up the criteria in my mind. It wasn't any sort of criteria uh, at all. You came up with this new criteria, and I was like, well, now I wish I could have reworked my list under the new criteria. Well, there's least criteria then. You're not just saying, oh, I like this one. He thinks he, I think he would chew bubblegum the best. Who do you have at number four on the list? Dave Aranda. Okay, that's who I have as well. After, after all of that, we got the same number four. I don't know, Aranda, I like Aranda because it seems like he is, uh, he's, he would seem like an honest person, which sounds weird to say that that's a huge high quality in a coach, but after having been through recruiting and after having dealt with enough coaches, it seems like that honesty was, is a very rare occurrence. And talk about a team that has overperformed most of the time. Uh, they have overperformed at least whomever he has been coaching, whether it's a unit at LSU or whether it's the actual team at Baylor, that unit has overperformed most of the time what the expectations are. I would, if you put Aranda in front of, in, like if you swap Steve Sarkeesian and Dave Aranda, how much better is Texas and how much worse is Baylor? Hmm. I think Texas would be a lot better. I don't know about Baylor. Baylor's just been pretty consistent, you know? I would just, I mean, I, I just feel like Aranda's capacity, the reason why they've been okay is because yeah. Aranda, and then they have, I don't know. They would be considerably worse. I know you hate Steve Sarkeesian. So. I just, he just doesn't, hasn't proven it. Hasn't proven it. Who do you have number three? Matt Campbell. Okay. Do we need to talk about Coach Campbell? I feel like we've talked a lot about Coach Campbell over the last seven years. The only thing that I would say is... It, I love Coach Campbell. Before everybody's like, hey, Jared Stansbury hates Matt Campbell. No, like I just... You don't. I don't. Uh, He's top half of the coach. Top half coach. Okay. Uh, the only thing is that, so last year, is is it an anomaly or is is it a trend? Yeah. When you're looking at it objectively and not through cardinal colored glasses, uh, if they're able to rebound from it and, you know, the consistent do more with less, if you're able to do that and you get back from it, I mean, recruiting rankings, they have a more talented roster now than they have, I mean, outside of maybe the, the year when they had Brees, Charlie, and Brock, but like outside of maybe one or two guys, but like top to bottom, one to 85, they have the most talented roster Iowa State's probably ever had. So now you have an ability to kind of come back from it. So I think this is a, a TBD in the next two or three years, whether it's a, like a momentary little blip, like a bad year or two, mm-hmm. or if it's consistent. I, and I'm much more inclined to think that it is bad year, maybe a couple, yeah. than, than it is uh, an overall trend. So I, it, it just feels like, yeah, you put him in front of any, any program, same thing. You put Matt Campbell at Texas. You put Steve Sarkeesian up here. What happens? I'm going to guess you have Lance Leipold at number two. You are correct that I have Lance Leipold at number two. Because, man, pulling Kansas out of the shit that they were in, that is an absolute heroic coaching job. Yeah. Because they were at, they, Kansas was as bad of a football team as I can remember seeing in college. From execution to effort to motivation, like 
they would miss gaps. They would, there was, there was times, I think it was two years. It was, might've been actually, it wasn't Leopold's. It was the, the year before Leopold got there. Uh, it was, it was brought when Brock and uh, it was, it was Brock's last season, which would have been, might've been Leopold's first year. Anyways, two, I think two years ago. And uh, it was the year when Iowa state beat Kansas, like 49 to seven. And in the first half, it was 35 to zero. And there were times when the coverage, it, they were playing cover two and they busted on cover two, which is like, it's like shooting a free throw. It's like missing a free throw mm. consistently because it is, it's a basic, everybody runs it from the time you're seven years old and they would bust on a cover two to leave somebody just like Joe skates was the one that I come comes to mind. Cause I broke it down for channel five, Joe skates standing wide open in the end zone on just a simple like post out route like that. That's it. And so from that, from as awful as Kansas was to the success they've had, I mean, that, that is an incredible achievement. I, I, now, do I expect him to be at Kansas for forever? I don't, but he's going to be at Kansas for at least a little while, and Kansas is now respectable. Like, Jalen Daniels is potentially one of the, if not the player of the year, one of the top three for player of the year, and you, could, you couldn't imagine five years ago that the Kansas quarterback would be in a position where he is the or a favorite for player of the year. So then you've got Chris Kleiman at number one. Can you, I mean, you do too. No, I've got Sonny Dykes at number you one. you got Sonny Dykes at number I one. I had Chris Kleiman at number two. Okay. But you, it's hard to argue with Chris Kleiman. Yeah. You know, like win 65 national championships North Dakota State, get your roster, took what, four, four or five years to get your roster to where you wanted it mm -hmm. at Kansas State. You have quarterback in and out last year with Martinez. Healthy, not healthy, healthy, not healthy. Then you have a backup that when he was in would play fairly well. Would either be actually on average was pretty good, but was either really good or really bad. And you still managed to somehow win the conference championship against the potential national runner up. So like, it's hard to say that Chris Kleiman over the course of his last 15 years and now is not to me the best coach in the conference. Yeah. Why did you have Sonny Dykes number one? What was your rationale for it? I just think the fact that he was able to come in and flip the culture like that with TCU was so impressive that it's just like, it makes me feel confident. I know you got, you talked about Max, like you talked uh -huh. about all those kinds of things. Like I, I'm, I get it, you know, mm -hmm. like I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, I'm locked into Sonny Dykes at number one, but it just, for what he did to be able to flip the mentality i guess that they had and then especially how they were how much different they were physically like they were able to own people up front which they had not been doing in the last couple of years under gary patterson like the entire organization just seemed to run better than what it had been with a guy who was like had built the program you know and just for him to be able to do that flip things the way that he did in year one and then for them to be able to go and win a game in the college football playoff i feel like that speaks a lot to his ability as a coach yeah and honestly like if you're thinking like going forward TCU has so much potential mm -hmm. to be, you know, like, I don't know in the, in the new, and big, he's a good fit at his school. Yeah. Like, so it's like yeah. in the new big 12 is, is TCU poised to be, or does TCU have the, it feels like does TCU have the potential to be the top dog in football 10 years from now? Yes. From a resources standpoint, from a success standpoint, from recruiting, TCU in Fort Worth, like that is a rich, rich, rich school. Yeah. And that is a rich alumni base. And that is, 
Uh, Fort Worth is cool. Like it, it is a place where you could see TCU getting to be. So like this last little bit that they've started, this success they had last year, if they're able to continue even some of that, if they go nine and three or 10 and two, even if they don't win the conference or get into whatever, if they're in that top little tier, TCU is going to be a problem for a while. Yeah, for sure. All right. We've, uh, what do you think of the list, Satan? Well, Matt Campbell's not high enough. That's already, yeah, yeah. Oh. You think so? It's fair. Yeah. It, it, he does seem like, why the hell should I care? You want to come here? You don't want to come here. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. It's fair. Yeah. Give a shit. That to. Which I'm all for that. I think that's the biggest. To me, that is the biggest. I mean, jumping off point to a bigger conversation. That to me is the biggest benefit of the immediate transfer rule and somewhat NIL. Like I I think NIL kind of muddies it a little bit, but like the immediate transfer rule, if you're a, 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 you know, a Woody Hayes, Bo Beckler style coach who is notorious for, you know, run you into the ground until you puke. And everyone's like, ah, I'm a better man for it. Yeah, it's because you went through that experience. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's the best experience that you could have had. Imagine being going through, uh, like when you compare the two different options, Bob Knight or John Wooden, which one is probably going to make you a better person? Which one's probably going to have a better time actually being there? You're going to feel more respected by John Wooden than a Bob Knight. So, when in well, the I know the way Don da- Dan Dockage acts compared to the way that guys that went to UCLA act. So yeah. I'd say that we know how that how yeah. that worked out. So and Steve Alford, being uh, honest. So you have a you have in the NIL immediate transfer rule. If let's say prior to this, a coach co- gets you to commit, you're stuck. Like they know you're stuck. So I can push you around. I can treat you like as much trash as I need to. I can disregard you as much as you as I want. You don't have anything to do. You have no leverage to respond to this versus if even in like an employer employee relationship, if you have, if you signed a contract for five years that you would personally have to buy out and that employer doesn't like what you're doing, you're stuck. You have no leverage in being able to do it. But this NIL thing makes it not NIL. The immediate transfer rule means that if you can, if I commit to you and you say, I want you to play running back for my purposes. And then you move me over to linebacker against the choice that I, and I don't want to do that. But you say the only way that you can play on this team is move over to linebacker. And then they go, well, now you're going to be an offensive guard. And you're like, I don't like this. Or you scream at somebody or treat them like garbage. And I don't like this. I would like to leave. Then you can. And it forces you to actually treat the players like little, little humans. You know, God forbid that you treat an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid like a human. So I, I do really like that that is where things go. And even a guy like Saban, who is as stern as he is, he feels like a stern father figure, whereas Bobby Knight felt like an abusive father. You know, like that's sort of where the difference is. So I don't know. I'm I'm really, I, I like the point you're saying of like the Leipolds, the Arandas, even climate, like the guys that are actually care about your players makes it so people want to play for you and they stay longer. And it just 
that is where everything should go and it should have been there a while ago all right we'll be back with a new episode uh a fresh new episode for you guys next week here on the cyclone fanatic podcast network peace